Amen. We're thankful for all that God's given, all that God's done. Amen. Good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Thank God for just showing up this morning. God's here. Amen. I felt his presence. I prayed that God be here before we left the house this morning. Amen. And God's here. If you have a need this morning, I want you to know that the one that can help you is here. Amen. You can find help here in this old-fashioned altar where you can find help nowhere else. I know you've probably heard that all your life, but maybe you just ain't never tried it. Amen. Sometime you ought to try it. Uh, Brother I was teaching in Sunday school, and I'll get to the message in just a minute, but he, he was teaching about Jehoshaphat over there. Jehoshaphat said, I don't know what to do. You know what he began to do? He began to seek God. He began to praise God. You know what he, done, he found? He found help from God. You need help from God this morning. You don't know what to do. There's times that I don't know what to do. There's times that I climb behind this pulpit to uh, stand before a crowd of people. There are times that just through the week and, and just everyday life that we just simply don't know what to do. And we just don't have any idea which way to go or which way to turn. But I, friend, I promise you that if you'll begin to pray and you'll begin to praise God, that you will find direction in your life. And you will find the help that you need. Turn with me this morning to the book of Nehemiah. Thought that's been on our heart. Thought that we have preached on several times in the past. And uh, God's laid this upon our heart once again. The book of Nehemiah. You know anything about the book of Nehemiah this morning? You know that in Nehemiah's day that the children of Israel, the Hebrews, they were in bondage. They had been taken in 606 B.C. by Nebuchadnezzar under Babylon. And they were in bondage there. And you realize that they were in bondage there because they disobeyed the commandment of God. Amen. Every time we disobey the commandment of the Lord, we disobey what God would have of us to do. Judgment will take place and judgment will come about. They disobeyed God and because of that, God sent in an evil army. God, they overtook them. God allowed that to happen. Nebuchadnezzar in all that he was and all that he ever could be, my friend, he could not have taken the children of Israel if God had not allowed that. Amen. God allowed that to take place. Sometimes things happen in our life because we stray far from the shore. Sometimes we get away from God and we uh, backslide on God and we get away from God and God allows things to take place in our life. Amen? Because we're not where we ought to be with the Lord. Amen? It's not always just because, uh, amen, different things, but it's because we have backed up on God and God said, I'm going to allow this to take place. You find in the Old Testament many times that God done that. God took his hand of protection off of his people because of their disobedience. And I'm afraid in the day and hour that we live that uh, my friend God has taken his hand of protection off of America. I'm afraid that God is taking his hand of protection off of the families. Amen. I'm afraid that God's taking his hand of protection off of our lives because as a whole, as a nation, we have become disobedient to the commandment of God. And we've, my friend, we've let everything come in that should not be. You and I that are saved by the grace of God, we've just got a little bit slack on God. We got like David was when the Bible says that he tarried still at Jerusalem. Amen. He didn't do anything. Amen. He started out before he sinned with Bathsheba. He just didn't do anything. Praise God. And that's what got him in trouble because he was just doing absolutely nothing. That's what's got the church in trouble. That's what's got America in trouble. Instead of us being on the offensive, instead of us trying to spread the gospel, to go out and to preach the gospel, amen, to every creature, to every living Preacher, my friend, we have laid down on God and we've got lazy and we've enjoyed the goodness of God, but all the while we forgot about spreading the gospel, Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Nehemiah, the Bible says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Halkiah, came to pass in the month Chislu in the twentieth year that I was in Shushan the palace, and Hanai, one of my brethren, came 
he and certain men of Judah, and I asked him concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. We're going to stop right there this morning and go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we do thank you this morning for allowing us to be here. God, for allowing us together in the building. God, we pray you take God, Lord, our feeble heart, God, our feeble body. Use it, God, this morning for your glory. God, I pray that, God, you'd help us, God, to preach on the anointing and under the power of God. I pray, God, that you'd touch, God, those that are here, God, in this building. God, send revival, God, into this place. God, as it's been said, not just a series of meetings, God, not just coming together together, but, God, I pray that heaven, God, would truly, God, fall in this place. God, I pray, God, truly... God, that you would send, God, the spirit of revival, God, unto these people, God, and unto our hearts. God, I pray that you would touch, God, the church, God, that it may be revived, God, that it may rejoice, and God, that it may, God, be able, Father, to repent, God. I pray that, God, you would touch the sinner, God, that they would come, and God, repent of their sin, and God, Lord, be saved by the grace of God. Lord, help us now, and we'll give you the praise and honor and the glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You'll find there in the first four verses of the book of Nehemiah, you'll find uh, the key person in this story, the, uh, a man by the name of Nehemiah. And you'll find that if you read through these first uh, chapter in the book, you'll find that he was the king's cupbearer. You'll find that he lived in the king's house, that even though he was a Hebrew, he had been taken into that Babylonian palace. And uh, my friend, he had been given a very high position. I, he was the king's right-hand man when the king sat down to eat his dinner. I, amen. Nehemiah was the one that sat down beside of him. I, he was very well trusted I, and very well loved of the king. I, amen. Nehemiah was the one that when the king I, I sat down to eat, Nehemiah would take the first bite. I, Nehemiah would drink of his cup before the king did. I, amen. To make sure that there was no poison, that nobody was trying to kill him. I, uh, my friend, so in other words, the king had to trust Nehemiah with his life. I, amen. The king had to trust Nehemiah with everything that he had. I, and there's no doubt that Nehemiah loved the king I, in order for him to do that. I, hey, you wouldn't just do that for anybody. I, they would have to be a love in your heart. I, they would have to be something, my friend, deep down inside of you. I, uh, my friend, for you to take a cut, amen, thinking that there could possibly be, I, uh, my friend, something in that that would kill you for somebody else. I, amen. And Nehemiah had a great high position in this Babylonian empire. I, and you'll find that the Bible says that Hanai, one of the brethren, came by to where Nehemiah was. I, amen. And the Bible says there in Nehemiah in verse 2, he said, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped. I, if you read through the book of Ezra, you'll find I, that in this time period they had let, been letting some of the Jews go. I, amen. And they had returned back to Jerusalem, I, a city that had been destroyed, a city that was left to rumble, I, a city that was left to absolutely nothing. I, but that was the land that God had promised. I, amen. That was the land flowing with milk and honey. I, that was the promise of God that he had given unto Abraham. I, amen. And they went back to that city. I, amen. They went out on faith. I, amen. And they went back there. I, amen. They went back to those stones and went back to them burnt down places. I, and they began to rebuild that city. I, amen. But the Bible says that Nehemiah had a concern in his heart. I, amen. One thing that I find in our lives I, is that we have lost a concern for our fellow brethren. I, I, one thing that I find in our lives I, is that we're so busy with everything that we're doing I, that we forgot about what everybody else is going through. I, amen. We're so worried about what's going on with us I, I, that we neglect the one next to us. I, I, does the Bible not say to bear you one another's burdens? I, amen. This morning we forget a lot of times. I, amen. The word, we've got it good in America. I, hey, we forget a lot of times I, just how blessed that we've been I, for us just to be able to assemble I, in a beautiful church house this morning I, to be able to sit 
sat on the pew and to worship God. My friend, that's a blessing that most people today cannot enjoy. Friend, if you were to go out west in the United States of America, you would be hard-pressed to find a Bible-believing church. You'd be hard-pressed to find somewhere where you could stand up and say, I love Jesus. Amen. And not get let out the door. If you were to go up north, you would be hard-pressed to drive up and down the road and find a Baptist church where you can praise God that believes the Bible. My friend, we are blessed in the great Smoky Mountains of North Carolina to be able to come to the house of God and to have the liberty, my friend, to lift both hands. Amen. And say, thank God that I'm saved. To say, thank you, Lord, for showing up this morning. To be able to bow in an old-fashioned altar. Amen. Not worry about somebody coming through the door. Amen. To arrest us. Hey, I'm glad this morning that I'm not in Red China where we had to go underground. Amen. To worship God. But we can do it freely and we can do it openly. Hey, that's a God-given right. And I'm so thankful for it this morning that God has blessed us. But in all the blessings of God, we forgot about the concern. We forgot about what others are going through. We forgot about the things that are slipping under the table. And we've lost our concern. And when we lose our concern, friend, we lose our burden. In America, most churches have absolutely no burden. Most churches have no desire for revival. I say thank God that God's still reviving. I say thank God this morning that God's still sending revival. I say thank God this morning that God is still able to revive a church. And when God gets a church revived, then we'll see people that are lost and undone without Him begin to flood down to an old-fashioned altar and get saved by the glorious grace of God. When you have revival in a church, friend, amen, and you get a burden for other people, and you get a burden for your community, you get a burden for your co-workers, and you get a burden for those around you, friend, you'll draw closer to God than you've ever been. There was a I read a newspaper article yesterday. He was talking about how the Pope had come to Philadelphia and he was a great educated man, had a doctorate degree. And he said, because the Pope came, he said, that's as close to God as we'll ever get here on earth. I say, God help. That man missed the mark. Friend, I don't have to get around the Pope without any hope to get close to God. I'm glad that God dwells in my heart and dwells in my soul. I'm glad this morning in an old-fashioned order some years ago that I met the king of all kings. I don't have to have a substitute. I don't have to have a vicar. Amen. I can go straight to the throne of God because I'm saved. Because the blood of Jesus says that I can go to the throne of God. When a church gets a burden, friend, we'll see things happen. When a church gets a burden for people around them, friend, you won't get no sleep at night until you get a hold of God and you get an answer from God. Hey, might I just go ahead and tell you this morning that a burden is not a fly-by-night thing. It's not just something that comes and blows in like a wind. It's not just something you get because I'm preaching on it this morning. Amen, it's something that's in your heart. And when God gives you a burden, amen, it will overtake you. It'll be all you can think about. It'll be all you're worried about. Amen. When you wake up in the morning, that thought will be on your mind. When you go to bed that night, that thought will be on your mind. If God gives you somebody to pray for, hey friend, it just won't be on Sunday morning, but it'll be every day through the week. Hey, a true burden, my friend, is something that don't just come and go like the wind. Hey, but it's something that sticks with you and something that stays with you until you see a result of that burden. These people in our church. Brother Matthew's dad, he tells us many times that there's a man that he's been praying for 30 years. 
But almost every time you get in prayer room with him, he still requests prayer. Every time you get around him in the service, he'll request prayer for those individuals. That's a burden that did not leave. That's a concern for somebody. He didn't give up on God. He ain't give up on God. And he ain't going to give up on God until he sees the product of his prayer taking place. We find there that Nehemiah, he was broken. His heart was broken. He began to weep, the Bible says. And he was worried and concerned. And the Bible says that those people were in verse 3 in great affliction and reproach. And the Bible says that the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Amen. Nehemiah immediately got a burden for his people. Nehemiah got a burden for those that had went back to Jerusalem. He got a burden, my friend, for those walls that had been broken down. Amen. If God led us this morning, I want to preach to you on the things that been broken down in America, the things that have been broken down in our churches, uh, the things, my friend, that have been broken down in our lives, uh, amen, that Nehemiah went to rebuild. Uh, Nehemiah realized that he could not, uh, amen, build a city, uh, amen, without rebuilding some elementary things, uh, without getting back to the core, uh, amen, without rebuilding that wall. Uh, he realized there wasn't no use in going into the heart of that city uh, and beginning to build houses and beginning to build stores uh, and habitation places uh, until that wall was rebuilt. Uh, until there was some security there, uh, until there was a foundation put around, uh, until they had protection from the enemy. The Bible says there that Nehemiah, the first thing that he done was sought God's face. And I say to you this morning, a true burden, when you have a burden, it's not something you just fly out the door uh, and you begin to do something on your own. Uh, amen. When you've got a burden for somebody, friend, uh, you need to seek God's face. Uh, you need God's direction. Uh, you need God's help. Uh, you need God to show you which way to go and how to do it. Because uh, if I go out on myself, I'll make a mess of it. Uh, uh, friend, if I stand behind this pulpit this morning uh, in myself, uh, I will make a mess of it. Uh, amen. And you the same in your life. Uh, if you begin to witness to somebody uh, without the direction of God in your life. Huh? You will make a mess of it. Huh? And at times we can cause more harm than we do good. Huh? But I'm glad when we seek God's faith. Huh? Amen. God's got a burden for the people before you ever had one. Huh? And God loved them before you ever did. Huh? So when you seek God's face on somebody's behalf, huh? God is willing and God is wanting to help them. Huh? And God is wanting to use His people. The Bible says there that He sought God's face and he begins to ask the king, Artaxerxes, he asks him for leave to be able to go back to Jerusalem. Hey man, now realize that Nehemiah is the king's cupbearer. He is living in the palace of the king. He's eating the king's food. He's got a great life. Hey man, he wants for nothing. Hey, if he wanted it, praise God, all he had to do was just go into the cupboard and get it. Hey man, but he was willing to leave that high place. He was willing to leave his high position. Hey man, get on an old horse. Praise God, go to Jerusalem where there was absolutely nothing. And they began to do old hard manual labor And began to do what God had put in his heart to do Friend this morning if we're going to see something happen We're going to have to lay some things aside in our lives We're going to have to lay aside our big high position We're going to have to lay aside our pride And lay aside ourselves for a little while That we might see for the good of others And that we might see folks saved by the grace of God Sometimes we have to get down where the rubber meets the road And we have to empty out our pockets and empty out our hearts and we have to say, God, if there's anything in my life, amen, that's hindering me from being used, God, would you move that in my life? 
Friend, it may be something that you dearly love and dearly enjoy. Amen. But there are times that we cannot serve God because of the things in our life, the things that have overtaken us. And it may be things that are not necessarily bad, but they have overtaken our lives to the point where we cannot serve God because they're there and because they have taken up the space that God wants and the space that God needs. And they've taken up the energy in our lives that God had reserved to use for his glory. Hey, God knows you've got to go to work on Monday morning. God knows what you have need of, and God will provide your every need. But you know this as well as I do, that probably in every life in this building, there are things that are in our hearts, in our lives, that we do not need. Amen. And there are things sometimes we just have to lay aside that God can use us. Nehemiah was willing to lay that aside. And he began to go and he asked the king and he, he sought the king's face and sought his king's favor in going to Jerusalem. So when he packed up and got ready to go, hey man, the king said, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a letter. Hey man, I'm going to give you a letter to these certain people. Hey man, and there are going to be timbers ready. Hey man, and there was a great crowd when Nehemiah got ready to go. They saddled up their horses with him. Hey man, they got their clothes packed together. I say when God gives you a burden, hey man, God will give somebody to go with you. God will give somebody to help you along the way. Amen. God won't let you carry that burden alone. Amen. God won't let you go in the fight and in the battle alone. But God will give somebody to go every step that you go. Amen. And when you get to the place, amen, you say, God, I ain't got nothing to tell that lost loved one. God will give you what to tell them. God will give you what you need. Amen. God will give you the words on your lips. Hey, God will give you the scripture in your heart. And God will supply your every need. Nehemiah left out of Babylon with absolutely nothing. But when he got to Jerusalem, he had everything that he needed, praise God. You may have come to this church with absolutely nothing this morning. But you can walk out of those doors this morning huh, and you can leave with everything you need huh, to see revival in this place this week. Huh. You can leave with everything you need to see revival spread up and down these creeks and hollers. Huh. You can leave with everything that you need huh, to see revival on your workplace. Huh. See revival in your home. Huh. Revival in your family. Huh. And revival all around us. Friend Nehemiah went to Jerusalem. And the Bible says over there in chapter 3, amen, getting on down through there, amen, we're just skipping through this. If I were to read it to you, amen, you'd whoop me, praise God. Amen. If we get on down here, amen, you'll find that Nehemiah rode up to the gates of Jerusalem. And in verse 12 he said, And I arose in the night, and I and some men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night, by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, into the dung court, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Nehemiah began to look around him, and he began to see firsthand what was going on. My friend, this morning, if you would just open your eyes, and you would look around you, you would see there's some elementary things, elementary doctrines. Hey man, there's just some very simple things in America that have been torn down, that have been destroyed. My friend, that have been kicked by the wayside. Amen. And this, but that's why we're in the shape that we're in. That's why we don't have any more power with God than we've got. That's why we don't have revival like we used to. That's why we don't see folks saved like we used to. Because there were things in America that have been torn down. Amen. Started at the individual, went to the home, went to the church, and it has spread into our country. Amen, friend, this morning. But I'm glad to tell you that God's in the rebuilding business. God is in the business, friend, of fixing things. And God is able, my friend, to set those things back up. 
And God is able, my friend, to rebuild the wall in America and in our churches and in our lives. God is able, my friend, to set those things back up and give us the help and protection that we need. You'll find in, in chapter 3, amen, you'll find that Nehemiah begins by rebuilding the sheep gate. Amen. In that sheep gate, I see a picture of our darling Savior. I see a picture of the first thing in America that was tore down a long time ago. And that's just simply putting Christ first. The sheep gate is the first gate that he come to. Amen. And that sheep gate is likened unto Christ because he became a spotless lamb. He became, my friend, our sacrificial lamb, our sinless lamb. He became, my friend, our paschal lamb. He became our substitute. He became everything that we need. In him, my friend, we find redemption and we find help. Amen. The Bible says that the blood of goats and the blood of bulls could never take away sin. But the blood of Christ, he has made atonement once and for all. He don't have to go back year after year but the blood that he shed on Calvary satisfied God for all of eternity satisfied God for every heart and for every need satisfied God for every sin that's ever been committed we see that's the first gate friend if there's anything that old Savannah Baptist Church needs to put first it is Jesus it is him friend I, I know that you know that but you know what the devil will get you so twisted up I mean, the devil will get you so twisted away from the little simple thing. And he'll say, well, we need, to, we need to redesign this, and we need to redo this, and we need to form this committee, and we need to do this, that, and another. But you know what? If we put Jesus first, everything else will just fall right in line. Everything else will just begin to fall into place, praise God. We need to put Him first in our lives. Amen, that means, praise God, sometimes we have to kick Satan out of the passenger side seat. Amen, we have to say, I'm going to get over there in the passenger side, God, and I'm going to let you drive for a while. Amen. We've been driving for too long and letting Satan tell us where to go. It's time that we got in the passenger seat and we said, Jesus, would you drive for a while and would you show me where to go and what to do? Jesus has been taken out of the school. He's been taken out of, amen, the, the workplace. He's been taken out of the courthouse. Amen, he's been taken out of everyday life. Amen, he's been taken out of the church. He's been taken out of the songs and the hymn book. He's been taken out of the Bible. Amen, but I'm glad that he is still on the throne, sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession for his children and for his church. He is still number one, and he is still first and foremost. If he's first and foremost in your life, you ought to say amen. Hey, because he's the best thing that ever happened. He's the best thing that you'll ever be. He's the best thing you'll ever find. Hey, man, it's better than anything in this world. Having him first and foremost in your life. You'll find that Nehemiah went on to the next gate. You'll find the fish gate in verse 3 of chapter 3. You'll find that Nehemiah began to rebuild a gate. Amen. Of the fish gate. You'll find in the New Testament whenever Jesus began to call out his disciples that they were fishermen. Amen. And he told them, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The fish gates represents witnessing to others. It represents being a witness to those that are around you. Friend, that is an elementary thing in America that has been tore down. Hey, we don't witness anymore. We don't tell others about Christ anymore like we should. Amen. We just hold it all to ourselves. Amen. We 
we want to save it all for us, I guess. Hey, remember, we need to be about the Father's business. Hey, we need to be telling others about God, telling others about Christ. Hey, man, we need to be telling our co-workers, telling our friends and telling our families. There's a group of young people in here this morning. They could turn this county upside down. Hey, man, if they'd get a hold of that fish gate, hey, man, they'd begin to witness like they ought to. Hey, man, begin to tell their fellow friends about Christ and begin to have a burden for them and begin, my friend, to witness to them in the power of the Holy Ghost. Hey, man, we could see revival in our high school. We could see revival in the elementary school. We could see, hey, man, things take place. I've seen youngins that have witnessed to mom and daddy when I couldn't go to them. Hey, man, when somebody else couldn't go to them. But that little tender-hearted youngin, hey, man, was able to prick the heart of mom and daddy and able to get them to open their eyes and see that there's more to this thing. Hey, man, than there than this world. Let them see, my friend. Hey, that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And that God is real. The fish gate's been torn down in America. The fish gate's been torn down in their local churches. Oh, I remember hearing stories of them old timers. Hey, man, they get on the housetops and pray. Get on the ridgetops and pray. Hey, man, they were witnessing to them neighbors down below, praise God. And them old timers, they didn't care, hey, man, to tell you who they belonged to. My wife's grandpa, a preacher. Amen. They said every time he went to the doctor, the first thing he asked that doctor was if he knew the Lord. Amen. He didn't beat around the bush about it. It didn't take him 25 minutes to get to the point. Hey man, he, when he first met that doctor, he wanted to know if that doctor knew the Lord. And if he didn't know the Lord before he left that office room, he was going to know something about him, praise God. Hey, that's just the way them old timers was. Hey man, but we've got to the place where we've got, hey man, this little idea, hey man, that people are going to crucify us if we tell them about Jesus. Hey man, we've got this idea that we're going to get in trouble on the workplace. Hey man, does the Bible not say greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world? Hey, that's a lie from Satan. You may get in trouble but God will get you out of it. If you do it in the right way and you do it in the Holy Ghost Amen friend God will give you the direction you need. Amen God will give you the deliverance you need. It's time that we be about the Father's business. He did say go. He did say tell. He did say proclaim my name. Did he not? You'll find the next gate that Nehemiah went to. Amen you will find the old gate. In the old gate, amen, pretty well self-explanatory. Amen, America has left the old path that she trod in for so many years. America has left that old way. Amen, this morning I'm thankful to be able to come to a church that still has an old-fashioned order of prayer, still sings in the old-fashioned way, still believes in singing and shouting and preaching. Amen, ain't modernized. Amen, ain't compromised. I'm thankful, my friend, this morning, amen, that the old path still works. Amen, the Bible says to get in the old path Amen. To stay therein. He said not to remove the old landmarks. Amen. You know why? Because they will work. Them older folks, praise be unto God. Amen. People thought they was dumb and thought they was ignorant. Amen. But they had a lot more sense than the most educated people in Washington, D.C. ever thought about having. Amen. They got a lot more sense, praise God, than some of the evangelists of the hour, evangelists of the day. Hey, man, they got more sense than some of them pastors of the mega churches. Hey, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just being honest this morning. Praise be unto God. Hey, man, they had enough sense when they got in trouble. Hey, man, they would run to God. And they would ask God to help them. They believed in prayer. They believed in a prayer closet. They believed in seeking God's face. Hey, man, and they believed in not compromising for nobody or no thing. They believed, my friend, in what they believed in. And they wasn't going to change it 
it for nobody. It didn't matter if it hurt the devil, praise God. They was going to stand on the word of God and stand on what God said. In the day and hour that we live, we need some people with backbone that are willing to stand, come hell or high water. Amen. No matter what my friend Satan foes at us, amen. We need some people that are willing to stand and give glory unto God and not compromise for nobody. Hey, we're living in an hour of compromise. Hey, but God does not compromise. Hey, God said, I've got a plumb line, and God's plumb line never changes. My friend, this morning, amen. God does not change for nobody or no thing. So we should. Should not either. Amen. We need to get in the old game. Get back to the old time way. There was a time when mamas prayed with their babies. There was a time when daddies prayed with their family. There was a time when daddy was the head of the household. And that means that he sought God on their behalf. He cared enough about his little youngins huh, that he would pray for them that they'd get saved. Huh, that he would pray that God touched their heart. Huh. Hey man, I wonder this morning, Daddy, huh, how long has it been since you prayed for your youngin to get saved? Huh. Hey, I don't care for this big or that big. Praise be unto God. Huh. It's not too soon to start praying for them to get saved by the grace of God. Huh. I told them in the prayer room, huh, hey man, the devil would like to get them young people huh, before they ever get started. Huh. He would like to destroy their life huh, and ruin their testimony huh, before they ever have a chance to get started. Mama and Daddy, you can do something about it on your knees this morning. You can do something about it in your life. Hey, you can put a hedge of protection about them by a wall of prayer. Amen. And you can fend off the wiles of Satan. Amen. Through your prayers. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. My friend, I've got news for you that it will work. Hey, there's power in prayer. There's a promise in prayer. There's a privilege in prayer. Amen. There's all kinds of things that we find when we go to the Lord in prayer. It's not wasted time being in your knees. On behalf of somebody, you'll find the next gate that Nehemiah came to. You'll find that he came to the valley gate. In the valley gate we find, my friend, that it's not always a bed of roses being a Christian. And you'll find that in America the valley gate has been torn down because hard times have came. Amen. Instead of people wanting to walk through the valley, they just give up the ghost. Amen. They just lay down their sword. Instead of walking through the valley, when there's dry times in the church, they just leave the church in hopes of finding one better and greater. Amen. But God's commanded us to be faithful and steadfast and long-suffering and to continue in his path and to continue to walk for him. Amen. This morning, it's not always easy being a Christian. It's not always easy being saved. Amen. But when you're in the valley, friend, will be some of the greatest times in your life. It was David that was in the valley when he slew Goliath. Amen. They had been up on the mountaintops. They had been hollering one at another. But the Bible says they set the battle in array and they came down off of them two mountaintops and they got down in in the valley. Huh? And that's where victory was won. Huh? That's where that giant was conquered. Huh? It's in the valley friend that you'll have your greatest victories. Huh? It's in the valley where you'll learn to praise God. Huh? It's in the valley that you'll learn to shout. Huh? It's in the valley you'll learn to pray. Huh? It's in the valley you can rejoice when nobody else is rejoicing. Huh? It's in the valley you can have revival huh? when nobody else is having revival. Huh? It's in the valley you'll see people get saved by the grace of God. Them mountaintops are shortly I thank God for the mountaintops. But we spend more time in the valley than we ever thought about on the mountaintops. Amen. But you can tell the true uh, favor of your faith whether you can shout in the valley or not. Anybody can shout on the mountaintop. Amen. Anybody can praise God when everything's going good in their life. 
But, amen, those that can praise God when things ain't just what they ought to be. A church that can hold together when things ain't what they ought to be. Hey, that's the true test. And that's the true test of what you've got. It's what you are and who you are when you're down in the valley. Friend, I'm glad that God is a God that'll go with us. Hey, not just on the mountaintop, but He's a God that'll be God in the valley. Boy, you all know that old song, God on the mountain. Is still God in the valley. How true, how true. You'll find the next gate that Nehemiah came to is the Dung Gate. In the Dung Gate, that was a place that in the city they would take the old refuse. They would take the waste. They would take the old nasty garbage and the nasty stuff. And they would take that outside of the city gates. And they would begin to throw that away. And they would begin to get rid of that old stuff. My friend, in that Dung Gate, I see my friend a gate that's been torn down in America of repentance. I see my friend in America that repentance is a thing of days gone by. It's a thing, my friend, of the past. But might I say this morning, there are times in our lives when we need to take that old dung and that old refuse and that nasty stuff in our lives and we need to take it outside the gate and lay it on the altar of God and say, God, take care of this. God, I've carried this too long. God, would you take care of this in my life? In the dung gate, I see a gate of repentance. Friend, if we ever have revival, it'll be because we start on our knees repenting of our sins. You'll find when Nehemiah prayed to God, Brother Joseph Jehoshaphat done it in his prayer. He repented of the sin of his people. He repented of the sin of his nation. Amen. He knew, my friend, that they was things that wasn't what they ought to be. Amen. They began, my friend, to pray. And when they prayed, they repented of what they had done. I wonder this morning, when's the last time that you visited an old-fashioned altar and you just repented of your sin? You laid aside your pride and you repented of the things in your life. You say, preacher, I ain't drunk a beer in 30 years. You may not have. But I guarantee you, friend, they still sin in your life that's hindering you from worshiping God. Amen. Them little things is what will get you. Since I got saved by the grace of God, but Danny, I ain't even wanted a beer. Amen. Ain't care nothing about it. I ain't even wanted to smoke a, a, a pot joint. I ain't even wanted to go back to some of the things that I had done and some of the things that I had been. I ain't had no desire for that stuff. I don't have a problem with those big things. Amen. But you know what it is? It's them little things in my life that kill me. It's those little things that hinder me. It's them little things that keep us from having revival church. It's them little things that keep us from praising God. It's them little bitty things that keep us from getting through to the throne room of God. How'd I say to you, there is an old-fashioned altar where you can come and you can take that old refuse and you can get rid of it. Amen. And God can cleanse it. God can take it away from you. We find the next gate that Nehemiah come to is the gate of the fountain. Amen. You'll find in the fountain gate, amen, you find a representation of the Spirit of God. We find in America that the Spirit of God is unwelcome in most places. The Spirit of God is not wanted in the church. He's not wanted in the preaching, not wanted in the singing. Amen. But without the Spirit of God, we have nothing. Hey, if God don't show up in our midst, we have nothing. If God don't manifest His presence in our life, friend, we have absolutely nothing. The Spirit of God is the most important person here this morning. He's the most important one. Sometimes when you go to a church as a preacher, they will honor you and amen. They'll do different things that they wouldn't normally do for just an average person. And I understand that. Can I say to you this morning, I'm just the same as you are. 
But there's somebody in this building that needs to be honored, that needs to be reverenced, that needs to be lifted up, that needs to be listened to, and that is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, my friend, needs to be in your life real. You need to have a personal relationship. You need to know who He is. And you need to know when He speaks to you. You need to know how He speaks to you. You need, my friend, to listen to every word that He ever uttered. Because without the Spirit of God, we don't have anything. We can't worship. We can't sing. We can't preach. We can't do anything without the Spirit of God. Hey, you can't even raise your children without the Spirit of God like you ought to. Amen. You don't know what to do, praise God. But the Spirit of God will tell you what to do. And the Spirit of God will help you to go where you need to go and teach them the way that you need to teach them. The Spirit of God needs to be in our life, my friend. He needs to be the most important friend, amen, that you've got. He needs to be right by your side when you wake up in the morning, amen. You need to feel His presence, and you need to feel His touch in your life. If it's been a long time since I'd felt the Spirit of God, I'd do some checking up, amen. I get nervous when I don't feel His presence. I get nervous when He don't communicate with me, and I can't get a hold of Him, amen. He needs to be real in your life. You'll find the next gate that Nehemiah went to after he rebuilt the fountain gate. You'll find in verse 26 was the water gate representing the Word of God. You'll find the water in the Bible always represents most of the time the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God has been dismantled, mishandled, mistreated. Amen. This Bible that we hold within our hands this morning has been counted as nothing. This Bible that men, women, and children have died for, give their lives, amen, that men, women, and children, my friend, have laid down, amen, and give up everything that they own, that this right here might be published among the nations, amen, my friend, it has been counted as absolutely nothing. There's a young lady in the dark ages when they were fighting for the Word of God, in the dark ages whenever they would have to Take that Bible undercover, amen. And if they were found by, the, by a certain group of individuals with a Bible, amen, they would be killed. There was a young lady that, amen, she put on, uh, amen, her, she had her Bible and began to testify of Christ, uh, amen, and they arrested her and they was going to put her to death, uh, amen, they was going to kill her. Uh, and on the day of her death, uh, amen, she put on a wedding dress, uh, put on a bright white dress, uh, and she began to march down to the stake where she would be burned, uh, Amen. She began to testify of Christ. I began to testify the Word of God. I, and began to tell my friend those people I, who he was and what he had done. I, and as those people saw her testifying, I, amen, they cut out her tongue. I, amen. That she could not speak no more. I, hey, but she still testified of Christ. I, as that blood run down that white dress, I, she began to point up toward Jesus I, and to point at that blood on her dress. I, might I say to you this morning, the Word of God will still work. I, the Word of God will still save. I, and the Word of God will still help in your life. Amen. It's time that we got back to an old-fashioned King James Bible and standing on the Word of God and standing on what God said. It don't matter what Dr. Doolittle says. If God said it, it will work. If the Word of God says it'll work, honey, it will work. It's worked for years and it'll work today. You'll find the next gate that Nehemiah went to after he went to the water gate was the horse gate. And you'll find that a horse was an animal in the Bible that was used as a beast of war. Friend, it's time in America that we quit being a bunch of sissies. Amen. Amen. I know it's getting late. Amen. 
This time we quit being a bunch of sissies. Amen. We put on our armor. We strap on our boots, praise God, and we go to war. It's time that we quit, amen, letting people die and go to hell. We're letting them die and go to hell because we're not fighting for them. We need to fight on their behalf. We need to fight on their behalf. Friend, they don't know how to fight. Amen. They don't even know who the enemy is. But friend, you and I do this morning. And we need to fight on their behalf. If there's ever been a time we need revival, we need it now. Because there's people within earshot of this church that are dying and going to hell right now. If they were to slip off right now while we're speaking, friend, they would split hell wide open. Amen, we need to strap on our armor. Amen, we need to get some gumption about us. And we need to go to battle on their behalf. The next gate that you'll find that Nehemiah came to was the east gate. Friend, in the east gate, you realize that Jesus is coming in the eastern sky. We need to realize this morning that Jesus is soon coming. Hey, man, there's a doctrine there that has been attacked. Hey, man, in America like none other. Hey, man, it's been something that's refuted. Hey, man, preachers have been put down, kicked out, this, that, and another. Hey, man, for preaching on the second coming of Christ. I've got news for you. One day he is coming, whether you believe it or not. Hey, man, whether you agree with it or not. One day the Lord Jesus is coming back for a church without spot and without wrinkle. You don't have to believe that to go. Hey, man, but you ought to believe it because the word of God says so. Amen. The Bible says that one day the trump of God's going to sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first and those of us which are alive and remain shall not prevent them which are asleep but we shall all meet the Lord in the air. And then the Bible goes on down there to say wherefore comfort one another with these words. There's comfort in knowing the Lord's coming but there is also an urgency in knowing that he's coming. Amen. It was mentioned back in the prayer room this morning that Jesus could come this could be the last revival that you ever had. This, this morning, could be the last meeting you ever had. This could be the last time that you ever hear the gospel. This could be the last time you're ever able to come to Old Savannah Baptist Church. Jesus may come back, friend. Are you ready? Are you ready? And the next gate that we come to that Nehemiah found, after he went to the east gate, you'll find the Mifkod gate. That is a gate of judgment. That was the gate in the city where they pronounced judgment. Hey Amen. We need to realize this morning that judgment is certain. That judgment is coming. We need to realize that there is a judgment for those that are believers at the judgment seat of Christ. Friend, we need to realize that there is a judgment for those that are lost huh, at the great white throne judgment huh, in which all will be condemned that stand there that day. Huh. Amen. They'll have nothing to offer, nothing to gain. Huh. And they'll stand before God, my friend, huh, and be condemned for their sin, huh, cast in the lake of fire and brimstone for all of eternity. Friend, the judgment of God ought to burn in your heart. Realizing that the judgment of God is imminent, that the judgment of God is urgent, realizing that the judgment of God will take place one day, friend, it ought to stir within you. It ought to give you a desire and a burden. It ought to give you a want to to do better than what we do. You'll find the very last gate that he comes back around in that city, that wall that they began to rebuild, those gates that made a circle around the city. You'll find that he went around through there, started at the sheep gate, Went around the fish gate and so on and so forth. But he come back to the sheep gate. Friend, Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega. 
He said, I am the beginning and I am the end. We need to start with Jesus. And when we finish with Him, like I done told you, everything else will just fall in the middle. Amen. If we put Him first and we put Him last in our lives, amen, everything else will revolve around Him. And everything else will work itself out. Amen. All the little problems, all the little things, amen, friend, they'll work out when Jesus is first and last in your life. I want you to know this morning that it is Him and Him alone that in, that salvation comes through and by one name, and that is at the name of Jesus. I want you to know this morning, friend, that if He's not first in your life, He'll never be last. But if He is first in your life, you can make Him first and last. And like I said, everything else, amen, in your life will revolve around Him, and the blessings of God will flow in your life. You say, well, preacher, I've been saved a long time. I've been trying to serve God a long time. And things ain't just all peachy and roses. Amen. But I believe if we'd get down where the rubber meets the road, you could still get up here and say, God's been good. Because you're sitting on the pew this morning. You've got breath in your lungs. Most of you can probably raise your arms up and say, praise God, I'm saved. Most of you's got full use of your legs. Hey, man, you can shout and rejoice. Hey, man, you're able, my friend, to rejoice and praise the Lord. I'm glad that He's first in my life. I'm glad that He's last in my life. And I'm glad that He's filled in all the in-between. In the book of Nehemiah, going back to chapter 2, Nehemiah seen all those things that were broken down. He's seen those ten gates. He's seen those walls. And in verse 17, if you would look with me, he told the people, he said, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And Nehemiah talks to the people, and he says, Come, and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. If the singers would come and everybody would stand to their feet, I want to ask you this morning, as you look around you, do you not see the reproach that we're in? I want to ask you this morning, do you see the problems in our lives? Do you see all the things that have been torn down, been destroyed? Do you see, my friend, all the things that Satan has just torn down a piece at a time that have called us, caused us to be a reproach, caused us to be in great affliction, caused us to be in the shape in America that we are in? Friend, I want to ask you this morning, would you be willing to come and let us build the wall back? Would you be willing, my friend, to step out of your pew this morning, come down to an old-fashioned altar, and begin to seek God's face on rebuilding a wall around this church, begin rebuilding a wall in this community, begin rebuilding a wall in this country. Maybe it's just beginning by rebuilding walls in your life. Maybe there's some things that you've been slack on. Maybe there's some things that you've let slide by. But you want to come this morning and you want revival in your life. And you want God to help you. And you want to see God do things in your life. Would you come this morning? Would you be willing? While every head's bowed and every eye's closed.